everyone, and welcome back to the Fantasy Galaxy. Uh, it's been a bit since we recorded, and we're back. And uh, to kind of jump back into things, a kind of special episode here. I'm joined with my old cohort or partner in crime, Nathan Bell, and we <laughs> have a, a special guest from the past with uh, Greg Dutcher. Greg, how's it going, man? Man, it is going great, Nathan. I feel like we're getting the band back together. <laughs> I wanted to quote a cool Samuel L. Jackson line from Glass, um, or some poor version of it. From Glass. Um, uh, see, now you just brought something up I feel like we also should talk about. Did, did you see Glass? Yes. Uh, I may be the minority opinion on that one, dude. I might be with you. Did you? Because I didn't. I had missed the screening because Izzy got sick. I was going to go see uh, it. And then I had a bunch of people tell me it was no good, don't see it. Uh, maybe I had just lowered my expectations. I I actually liked it. Uh, there were things about it that were off. I think uh-huh. it was a better sequel to Split than it was a sequel to Unbreakable. I would agree. But they there was some there was some good stuff in that movie. Dude, I loved it. Uh, same thing. I mean, well, I had high expectations initially. You know, I was like geeking out. Uh, when they they show the scene from Unbreak, or they show Bruce Willis, David Dunn, at the end of Split, yeah, I was just going crazy, um, and was figuring out all the train imagery had to connect to Unbreakable, so I kind of was suspecting it at that point. And so I had been pumped about that for whatever, two years. And then I started seeing these reviews tanking it, and my heart sunk, like, Shyamalan! And, and he's, the- he's known to be bad. Yes, I mean, I, I was like, "Did you lady in the water this thing?" Um, <laughs> or the uh, happening? <laughs> yeah, so did you? Yeah, did you sink this in the uh, the, the cesspool of the happening? Someone pulled an airbender, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so mad. And then, uh, but Ben and Isaac really wanted to see it because I'd gotten them into the other two movies and so we saw it and uh really enjoyed it i mean yeah i'll tell you real quick i know we're we're going to talk about something else what i loved about it and uh nate well i can't even say nathan b brother bell <laughs> did you see it i forget uh no not yet oh okay well i don't want to uh it's all right you you know me i mean it's no. not a big deal i don't care <laughs> never gonna see it well I, I, i'll say this dude. what what i loved about it is it, it kind of hit me later. It was the delayed reaction thing was how unbreakable really was Bruce Willis's story. Um, you know, and that fit. And then split was clearly McAvoy's story. You know, it was just did such a great job with it. And, you know, glass just to see that that really was Samuel Jackson's story, even though he really doesn't enter. He doesn't enter until about an hour into the movie, about a whole hour in. And then you <laughs> see, Oh, this is his brainchild. And I just, I don't know. I I digged it. I uh, I didn't quite get why it was panned. Uh, I understood why it was a little controversial, but I think on Rotten Tomatoes it's got like a thirty six percent. I mean, I I do think it's safe to say, at least from my perspective, there were things in there that I think he botched a little bit, but uh-huh, they didn't yeah. sink the movie. And I think the problem is the sequel we imagined our heads to Unbreakable. It starts happening in the first ten minutes of 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 glass mm. the first uh-huh. 10 minutes of glass are exactly what anybody who was anticipating this wanted to see and then yes. it stops and it goes in another direction and yes. i suspect we'll be talking about themes of the twilight zone throughout this episode yeah. so yeah. yeah it's probably safe to say it becomes that kind of a thing like an outer limits episode it almost becomes like a a small like stage play 
in essence. Yeah. And I don't think that's what people really wanted to see. This is not Bruce Willis's story. Um, right. I wonder, too. I have not seen Bruce Willis. I'm not trying to disparage him. I haven't seen him do any really good work in a while. He I agree. He seems to have been phoning in for a while. And I wonder if part of what happens in Glass uh, overall is that it, Willis can't quite carry the story anymore, like from the acting right. perspective. I don't know, but it it seemed like they moved away from him. McAvoy is like acting his butt off. Um, yeah. Oh, it's incredible, man. Uh, what, the, stuff, the way what, he's churning through these, what he did in Split was cool, but in this, it's like effortless. And he's going through like 20 different personalities in the space of like five minutes. Oh, it was incredible. He was just incredible. Yeah, that's. I hadn't thought about that. The, the um, Willis has kind of fallen off a bit because I loved his portrayal of David Dunn in Unbreakable. Uh, it, it was just, um, you know, it's a, kind of the slow burn. Um, it, part of it is his character is a man of few words, right? He's a, almost similar to uh, Ryan Gosling's character in Drive, if you ever saw that. You know, the, yeah, and particularly the cool... now that he's older, he's he's shut down a little. Uh, yes, know, yes. I almost wish that he'd given Shyamalan a miniseries to do that movie in. Like a Netflix, yeah. a Netflix four episode, because there was a lot of stuff. And he brings in an element almost towards the end that's almost a cheat because he has not addressed it at all. He hasn't even hinted yes. at it, and it's so huge, and it so opens up the scope that it's almost it almost makes you like shake your head in like disbelief that you're bringing this in now. And, I agree. And that I, coupled I, that with was, something else he does, everyone's yeah. story has a nice fulfilling ending, except yep. for David Dunn's. <laughs> like, I know like that ending is is almost like like someone just decides like you know what I'm going to kick you in the junk right now because <laughs> you know what this movie was was fine and it's true dude it's yeah I I love what you said there the the it was a cheat to introduce and I know you're connecting it to the Sarah Paulson yeah yeah uh, I like Sarah Paulson I like what she does she just has a very strong affect in in so many of the roles she plays and uh you know, she she played it well, but if there had been any indication, some scene, even a, a kind of an oddball scene in Unbreakable, or even Split, um, where there was something to this effect, I felt it was it was forced. It made me wonder. It kind of reminded me of Stephen King, you know, who when he went back and redid his 1982 Gunslinger. Yes, and basically wrote it the way he wished he had written it from the beginning. In <laughs> he Lucas it. <laughs> you know, I felt like, man, maybe maybe Shyamalan needs to re-release Unbreakable with uh, three or four scenes. You know, that would uh, maybe hint at what's coming at the end of Glass. But no, I, I loved it, dude. How you're right. He he kind of. I think some people didn't like it. He didn't give in. Because I wanted, I think my boys wanted the the cool showdown between Unbreakable Man and and the Horde. You know, you you really wanted, and you got a tiny bit of it. You're right in the first few minutes, and then it just totally took a turn, and I loved it. So I'm, um, yeah, it's I'm one I was lad. thinking the other day. He's like, you know what? I think I will buy this when it comes out, and that's uh. I haven't got bought in a Shyamalan movie in a long time. <laughs> I, know, I, I did enjoy Split. I even liked The Visit. I don't know if you saw The Visit. 
I did. I um, love the visit. It's a yeah. fun, almost that kid, but it's got that young, like gateway horror movie feel where yes. it's horrible. Like the topic of what the movie's about. Are you familiar, Nathan? Uh, it sounds familiar. Kids but go to see it. their grandparents who they've technically never met. Okay. And, uh, they, they've been estranged from the mother and they go to with them and it becomes clear that there's something deeply wrong with mm, the grandparents. She okay. asked the kid to climb in the oven to clean it. Right. <laughs> Stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. And uh, yes. they're like, you can't come out of the, you know, the room after a certain time of night. And it's a cool, it's a cool movie. Yeah. Um, it is. And I don't think it's any big shock to you, uh, Mr. Bell, that there is a, uh, a twist. Right. Uh, I, I, I won't give it away. But I don't know about you. Uh, uh, man, I can't even go NB. Uh, <laughs> just, I yeah. can't say Bartles because that's Zach Bartles. Just call me Ninja uh, B. That was, uh... Uh, Bartleball. The, um, I didn't anticipate. I'm normally pretty good at anticipating the twist. And I didn't see that. I, I The whole movie, I kept thinking, okay, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's Which one is this? Be? The Visit? Yes. And when you get the big reveal of what the twist is, I was oh man, dude, I never thought that. Um, I don't know, maybe you did. Do you? Do you? Remember? It was kind of nuts. Um, I, I'm trying to think if I thought it was exactly that. The thing with his movies, I think when he's on point, he's got you distracted enough, paying attention to just what's going on. You're so worried Agreed. about those people. The other thing is the twist. That particular twist is almost so bonkers in the sense of yeah. what it expects us to believe about the mother. I'm just like, wow. Like, I mean, there's, 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 there's parent oversight and then there's whatever you just did. I know. It's so true. You, you would think, yes, one or two other simple things that all moms do would have been done. It's a couple checklists. I mean, you know, my wife, when she sends my kids to parents that they've seen like 70, 80 times. You know, it's still rather, uh, rather long. And this was just like, yep. Go for yes, it. Yes, yes, so <laughs> with you. And dude, one last thing. Uh, we we could we could throw this right on Phantom Galaxy, uh, Mr. Bartleball. Now I have two boys. Now I I say I can't promise anything. I don't know what what zone of uh, movie critic benefits uh, you know you're in right now in terms of what comes your way, Nathan, these days. But um, you know, my Isaac, uh, who's twelve, has seen it. Um, uh, we watched it a month or two ago, and you know Ben saw it. Uh, as you know, Nathan, that was one of his favorite nights of all time. That was fun. I had a great time at that. That was oh, that was, that was such a blast. And to talk, he still talks about that. So they are hoping against hope that there's some way that Mr. Barnabal will be able to score four passes. Okay, so ma'am. So much like David Dunn, you know, he gets kind of unbreakable and he's like, I think I've lost my, my mojo, my powers. <laughs> I, have, I have relegated my powers. Um, they are, they are no, I no longer have the amazing street cred of getting uh. movie tickets. I had, I, I, you know, what happened was I was still getting them and everything. I got the AMC movie pass. Like oh, yeah. the one that's like twenty bucks a month, and you could go to sure. any movie at any time. I'm after yeah. this. I'm headed to go see uh, Pet Cemetery. Oh, nice! So, oh, dude, awesome. The problem is, I was driving out to Arundel Mills or something like that on a weeknight and dropping money for dinner and gas, and it was like, and then they still had to like write a review or do something for it, and it's like, I don't oh, know, man. Yeah. So I, I've, I've let it go, but. You know, maybe I can maybe I can hoard my AMC movie points, <laughs> and then we can all just go see it. I would love to see it though with you guys uh, again, um, dude. We would. I tell you what, Nathan. One way or another, let's count on that because uh, 
we would enjoy that. And I'm very eager to see what uh, Buschetti, is that how you say it? Yeah, I yeah. I, I mean, he got, he nailed the first part, so I think, he did. Yeah, I think we're he in did. good hands and with that. I feel good about it. I mean, everything I've read suggests that the the second one is, it would make sense as a progression to the adult phase is uh, a bit more terrifying, a bit more, that's everything I've read. I, we'll see if that, that, that comes to uh, fruition. But yeah, the first one, it wasn't, I didn't consider it super scary, but it was kind of kid scary. You know, it um, reminded me of that same feel I had. I think we've talked before. Uh, did, did I talk with you guys about the movie, uh, early 80s movie? The, uh, is it the Bradbury story, Something Wicked This Way Comes? Yeah, we talked about yeah. that. That's an excellent movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I, I need to show my, my guys that. Uh, so good. I don't know. The, the, it, I mean, it was much I, more yeah, modern. But I've got that one on DVD, so you feel free to borrow I think I'll let you borrow it and it came back to me. <laughs> no, yeah. you, you let me borrow it. I let it, Nathan get it. It, it, never came, it never went all the way to you. Yeah. No, that that was that was a, li- a deliberate decision on my part. <laughs> yes, Nathan and I just talked about this Sunday in church. Uh, I will highly recommend that you lend me nothing unless you're giving it to me for life, and it'll oh, be buried. With well, you me know what? It's grave. quite possible with something wicked this way comes because I think I've now bought it twice, so I think I have a second <laughs> copy. So oh, if I find it, good. I will send it your way. You can have it. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic yes, the, movie. Yeah. Oh, it was so good, and the feel of the movie—I don't know—just approach something, uh, or maybe I should say it approached that. It wasn't quite the same, but that kind of childhood summer, or it was autumn, I think, in the uh, in the yeah, something week. This week comes. Yeah. So anyway, dudes, look at us talk about all these other movies. Dude, I was about to go off on something else too. So (laughs) I gotta say, I gotta mention it though. So two things. First, I had no I had no anticipation for this Pet Cemetery movie at all, and now it's got like eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It looks well done. Um, Yeah. I just, I'm just hoping that we have a remake of the Ramon song, or or just the Ramon song. <laughs> my my daughter is horrible, but my daughter's running around the house screaming, "I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery." <laughs> I'm sorry. Now wait a minute, dude. Am I right on this? Are the Ramones the one that do the friend song? Mm. Or is that a different group? That's a different, that's a different group. group. That's a different group. That was because yeah. that was like that one hit wonder. What is that? Who sings that? It's um, like the oh. the somethings. Yeah. <laughs> uh... It'll it'll come to me as we're talking. Yeah, I'll be there for you. Yeah, one of our listeners. The Ramones yeah. would probably smack you in the head. For this. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> they, they had that more kind of glam rock um, vibe. I actually showed Isaac the video earlier tonight because I've been singing it walking around the house. Yeah, and I want to be buried. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the story about how that was written like they were the ramones were actually at stephen king's house they were like passing through maine they were in his house and like stephen king gives him it's around that time that the book comes out he gives him the book and like dd Dee Dee ramone like goes downstairs and like re, i don't know if he reads just a cover or what he does but when he comes oh back goodness. up he's written the song wow well because i remember that rolling when the credits uh i feel like played Which is in so movie. inappropriate like the tone is so completely off between that song and the tone of that film. <laughs> so true, dude. It's so true. It has the feel of a Maroon 5 song, Misery, you know, which is such an upbeat, happy song, uh, you know, tune-wise. And then the I Am in Misery, it was kind of that same, uh, same, same kind of deal. And, dude, one last tangent. Well, until the next tangent. Right. Um, <laughs> I have introduced my boys to Misery recently, the 1990. <laughs> oh, good wow. Movie. 
Oh my goodness, dude! Which was very close to the book. Um, I actually think it improves on the book because the book is just a little too nasty. Like I agree, it's I a agree. little like St- Stephen King. Sometimes it's like, man, why? Why did you put that <laughs> in there? Like, what were you I, thinking? Like, yes, because am I right, dude? I told my boys in the book, didn't she actually chop off his foot? Yes, yeah. And she like carved off his thumb with like an electric carving knife. Yeah, it's just like some of it's just nastiness for the sake of nastiness. I, think, I agree. I think I Rob agree. Reiner got the underlying humor too, because it's a funny movie. It's it's it messed is. up, but it's funny. <laughs> like when they when the manuscript is burned, and he's like, "You like it? You eat it." And he's like stuffing it <laughs> into her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And he's shoving it down her throat at the end. This is becoming Boy, a Stephen the- King podcast. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> I promise, I swear the last one. What do you think about the fact they're about to, like, seemingly ruin the gunslinger again? Oh, I know, dude. So they, they, I like, they're going to do it, but they're going to go all the way back and do the stuff from Wizard and, is it the Wizard in Glass? And as a young gunslinger, and I'm like, you guys had Idris Elba, and you wasted him on this thing over here, and now you're going to go do this, and the picture of the gunslinger, the guys playing the gunslinger, it's like, are you a, are you from a boy band? (laughs) I know, I know. It's so, dude. I don't get it. I why? It's like um, they're purposely ru- purposefully ruining it. <laughs> I know. It's and like you know, Crimson uh, King it, is per- specifically only allowing crappy adaptations of the. <laughs> it's so true, dude. I mean, how could they not take his kind of signature work? Because um, I know Ron Howard, right, had the vision for it. It was going to be a a television show, kind of associated. Um, with the movie, I was so excited reading about these things. Did you ever just, see the movie? You know, dude, I Ben has asked me, and we've never even seen it. We keep saying we will one of these days. It's not. It is a bizarre experience for me to sit down and say I'm watching a movie about the Dark Tower with my six year old. Yeah, and it's yeah. perfectly appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. yeah, I actually, wow. I, I'm with you, Nathan. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. I thought if it was pretty. I, if good. I could have wiped my mind wow. of any of knowledge of yeah. of the story. I would have yeah. enjoyed, and I did see, enjoy and I it, haven't read the story. But which there's is why cool I think... little bits you see, and you're like, "Oh, that they kind of got that. That's neat." But they condensed it literally into yeah. a kids' movie. Someone out there was yeah. like, "The Dark Tower should be a child's film," which, if you've read any, The Dark Tower is absurd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So anyway, let's move. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's try to move it, dudes, into the Jordan Peele world. Where, where, where are we, man? We've all seen. Us, correct? Yes, we all seen did us. his homework last Saturday. We went yep. and saw it. Yeah, that's right, time. you guys saw it. Yep, that was and good. And now, I uh, I just saw the uh, new Twilight Zone, the uh, first episode, The Comedian, okay, cool. last night. The Comedian. Yep. yep. I have not seen Get Out, though. I didn't have an opportunity to, to do that one. Which uh, is, okay, uh, yeah. I can't work under these conditions. I'm out, guys. Diva. <laughs> 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 No, no, I, I know, dude, you've been burning the candle with your graduate studies and yep. everything else going on. Uh, I wasn't sure you'd be have time to get that out. But definitely, dude, indulge yourself with Get Out. It's, it's well worth well, watching. The, now that I know you haven't seen it, you should just come over to our house and watch it. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, Greg and I talk about this. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that Joy will watch with me. There's a lot of stuff that uh, she'll humor me and watch for me. And then there's stuff that she's just like, no. And so, this is a Nathan plus Nathan plus beers. Exactly. Movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Greg, you know, we can even get you in on that deal too. Oh my goodness, Greg! Did oh you, yeah, Did man. you see that movie in the theater? Yes. It's a wait, very wait, wait. Get Out. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's a very it interesting theater. experience. I mean, it is like in your the themes and stuff of the movie when you're sitting there and it's this late night showing and you're sitting there and you're like, man, <laughs> you know, as <laughs> yeah. as what the movie's about comes to light and you look around and you're like, oh man, I kind of feel like there's a spotlight on me right now. <laughs> I know. But I love so I love the movie. I loved I I. Regardless of what we think about the Twilight Zone show, which we can talk about, he, I, the stuff he's done so far really feels like a, like the true like heir to the Twilight Zone to the Rod Serling like mm. legacy. I agree. Yep. yep, I totally agree. I, I, and who would have known? Yeah, but you know, in one sense, it makes sense. It kind of reminds me. It's almost the Marvel, um, uh, or I should say, the equivalent of the Marvel Russo experiment. What? Didn't those dudes direct like a couple of Arrested Development episodes or something? Um, I think I'd read because uh, they had they weren't super experienced in movies. Um, they'd worked on some sitcoms, I think. Yeah, that's uh, probably true. I mean, that, that, I think they hadn't done anything of true note. No, no. And then you know they they kind of work on uh, Winter Soldier, which is still one of my favorite stories in that whole MCU. Uh, you know, world. I, I just thought it was clever. It was a a, a smaller story. It kind of had the espionage feel to it. It got Robert Redford in it, um, and they they tied it to the larger themes. But it kind of had its own feel, and I thought that was cool. Uh, Civil War. I I liked a, a great deal. To me, it was just to me it was the Avengers movie I wanted after Ultron. That was my my view on it. And then, right. um, you know, uh, Infinity War, and then eager to see what they do with uh, with Endgame. But those guys, you know, uh, obviously Kevin Feige or whoever was scouting for him saw these guys probably have talent. Um, and Peel, you know, I mean, I used to love those Key and Peel substitute teacher. Uh, <laughs> you know, skits have and, you seen some of their like? And they they do a ho- they've done Halloween episodes. And if you go and you hunt down some of those sketches, you can see exactly where he was, why he was perfect to do horror films. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the oh. one about the Make a Wish Kid? Yes. Where he's this creepy, bowl cutted, like Make a Wish <laughs> Kid dying in a bed. Like he, he looks, he has, he's dying. And they come in yes. and talk to him about terminal wishes. And he's like, yeah, but he's talking to a mechanical robot. He's like, Yes, Marion Glass. I, uh, I'm not like other children. And, the, and you know, and, and, and there's uh, Keys up there doing the like the super authentic like Indian accent, and he's talking to him, and he's like, you know, well, what is it that you want? And he goes, well, I wish to drown a man. <laughs> <laughs> I wish to drown him and take his last breath, and then bathe in the water, and then like, and it just escalates from there. So, oh my gosh, dude, that is so funny. I uh, I and, have to check that And out. I'm not certain that there's not a pretty close connection between the high concept of a sketch comedy skit and the uh, high concept of horror film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, like, yeah. you kind of come up with it on the fly, and you're like, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's right. see what happens. Yes. Yeah, so true. So true. You have to go back and, and check those out. But, he does a great uh, one, too, where they where he comes in as a Hollywood pitch uh, doctor who who steps in on a pitch meeting for Gremlins 2. <laughs> oh, that's by far my favorite one they do. You got to see that. I have to see that Dude, one. That is funny. Um, I, I like the one they do where they introduce the college football player names. Yes. Uh, you know, the East-West game, and these names are just so absurd. Like Sagittarius Cabanaris. <laughs> and you got to be careful because, yeah. I mean, they're, they, they, some of them get super uh, – 
inappropriate and the language <laughs> and stuff. You got to be careful because you'll be watching it and suddenly like, wow, like that's <laughs> I know. that's not it's even so like true. it's not like you just dropped an f bomb. It's like you just went way over the rails. Yeah, hey, you know, uh, dude, I'll use that as my pivot moment. Uh, <laughs> by the way, hey, real quick, give a shout out, Isaac. You walked in here. You can say hi. Hello. No, say hi so we can hear you. Hi. What's up, hey, Isaac? It's like a guest appearance. <laughs> yeah, it's a cameo. <laughs> yeah, it's a cameo from Isaac Dutcher. Just a preview of things to come. He, uh, he's kind of intrigued because he's this is his world of interest right now as he's uh, learning about these genres and stuff. Um, if, if when I is he going to do a Stranger couple... Things podcast with us? Yes, exactly. I see that coming. I that see new that season coming. looks amazing. I know. Go that on. Looks great. Oh, dude, that I can't wait. Till July Fourth, man, that looks phenomenal. I love the um, Teenage Wasteland song yes. playing yes. in the background. There was nothing about that I didn't like. That trailer. Yeah. So wait, are all your friends children? <laughs> it was so good, dude. So good. Um, I wanted to, to to pivot into the Twilight Zone episode. I know we're going to talk about us probably mainly because that's the big craze right now. Um, and again, I've only seen the first one. I think we've all seen the comedian. Mm-hmm. And before I even comment on the story. Uh, I told you, Nathan, on the podcast we recorded before this, where we mentioned this one. Yeah. Um, for some reason, when I saw that it was CBS All Access, dude, I was shocked watching it. I finished it this morning, and I was like, "Oh man, this is this is uh, not your kid's you know, little... uh, Twilight Zone." <laughs> right, right, and it actually made me gave me pause to think. Okay, I'm actually glad I previewed it because I think what I'm going to do is kind of my own cheap version of the vid angel approach where you remember the one uh, you're just gonna yes, scr- you know, you're just gonna I, make loud la 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 my old version plant my meaty paws over the child's ears well his his lady friend at the beginning um Remember I David know. Ricardo's... I was like, "Whoa, yeah. whoa!" We just entered Dude, the B was... zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I know I sound like a prude here. I wish they, I, my, per, I wish they hadn't done it. I think it's, it's. It, I, I know that's a, a tired old cliche. Doesn't contribute um, to the story, in my opinion. I think you know they, you could have left some of that out and invited younger audiences where parents and another thing. Because her line in particular was so in your face kind of vile um, and i must be getting desensitized because i was like jen did you hear that and jen's like they just dropped an f-bomb i was like i didn't miss that one completely <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you dude i'm with you the f-bomb i might not hear as quickly because you that's so ubiquitous now but the um her line was like oh man wow i was not prepared for that and and i'm in agreement a- great because that was my like as we get into this and uh, my like my regular co-host of Phantom Galaxy, Seth. We are gonna we're going back and looking at some of the old Twilight Zone episodes. And I mean, for the '60s, the Twilight Zone could be controversial as well. I mean, sure. they had it. Um, I don't know if you guys ever saw an episode. I think it was it's called The Encounter. It, uh, George Takai was in it, and it actually oh. I don't know that they ever actually um, aired it, or they aired it once and then it disappeared. You can see it on Netflix, but uh, it involves he's a, a Japanese gardener who goes upstairs. With this, uh, the guy who Lonnie's working on is this sort of drunk, like, uh, World War II veteran. And they start fighting over this samurai sword that's up in the attic. And where that, I mean, that's racially charged and all kinds of things. And the way that goes and where the story goes. I mean, for the time period that mm-hmm. it's airing, it's pretty yeah. in your face. But my problem is, and when this was announced, every uh, there's just now the fourth iteration of the Twilight Zone in 
in TV format. I mean, yeah. we've had yeah. we had a movie, and we also did have uh, in the early or mid nineties. They, uh, I believe, they went and they found two of Serling's old scripts and made those, and that was also on television. But like, so this is the fourth like series iteration, and the previous yeah. three have promoted. Even though there's been some scary stuff mm-hmm. and there's some other like inappropriate stuff, you got to be careful. There wasn't anything that actually like just put it off limits for a child to watch. Yeah. And right. I, I know people are changing their views about kids and processing languages, stuff like that. But there's just a, there's just a little too much adult in this. Yeah. And as someone who is like getting my kids to go through the actual twilight zone and watch it yeah. and being really psyched about this and then being excited to see this, I've got a pass to the CBS access. I want to see the next one. I haven't seen it yet. The one with Adam Scott. Yep. Uh, yeah. But this one, the comedian, I, yeah, there's a part of me that says, "Man, I hope they're not all like this." I really right. wish. Me too. I it's just a bridge too far for me. Um, not yeah. not like yeah. as myself watching it. It didn't affect what I ultimately thought about that episode, but it was just a little bit of like a, a, a kind of a bittersweet. Like you know what? That's really a shame. Yeah, me too. That, you express that well, and you um, you notice that too, Mister Bell. I'm sure. Yeah, you. yeah. It, well, and it's interesting because Joy um, Joy is more sensitive to language than I am. So yeah, you know, and I, and she comes in and she she didn't grow up watching the Twilight Zone. She wasn't familiar with it, so she comes in. I'm about halfway through it. And, um, you know, she's like, Hey, can you pause it for a second? So I pause it. And then she starts asking me questions about it. So, you know, I'm answering and then she's kind of hanging with me for a little bit. Well, then he goes into his sketch where it's like every other word is the F bomb. And, you know, we hadn't even, you know, you had the, the, the crass remarks from the girl at the beginning and then, you know, at the end, um, And but, you know, right in the center there, there's like this long string. And I'm just like, yeah, she's not going to hang with me and watch this. Um, You know, it's true. She's just like, you know, she wasn't like, well, turn the, you know, but she went into the other room um, and I finished it so that, you know, we could talk about this. But, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's one of those things where if you're if you're using language effectively, um, I think it almost does kind of roll over you and it's kind of like you know what it fits it's not for the sake of using it and it works within the story but this was just we're going to use language for the sake of using language there was nothing that really played out and fit with the story to me uh would totally agree i almost wondered uh and i'm just reading up now on the cbs all access which you know you you see cbs and you think uh CBS, right? Like CSI. Cable, yeah, network, yeah. television. Yeah, yeah, sort of the network TV. So I should have known, okay, it's a special access service. And it's, a, you know, it's a, another way to monetize the incredible options we have today with all of our, our um, I wonder, too, them. us watching it on YouTube and not through access. Because even though I got access, I saw it through the YouTube link yeah. like last night. Yeah, and same here. I wonder if the CBS access version maybe at least has the way HBO has like a uh, warning label. Oh, that comes yes, across. yeah. Because we didn't have any of that. And you know that that's might, a good point. Because good if point. I had seen that, I might have readjusted right off the bat. But I'm just thinking, like, right. you guys, hey. But uh, but let's yeah, talk, let's talk about that episode though. What did you guys think? I'm curious to hear your thoughts about what, like what you felt about it once it was all wrapped up. And, and and it's 50 minutes long, which except for one season of the Twilight Zone, season four, all Twilight Zones were 30 minutes or less, really yep. less than 30 yes. minutes without commercials. So you're talking yep. about a pretty bulk sized episode. Um, it sure was. It sure was. Yeah, I know for me, I I thought it was 
pull out pull out the language. I thought it had a really good, fun Twilight Zone feel. I thought they could have told the story in less time than an hour. Um, I remember getting through it and just uh, almost getting a little a little tired, wondering when they were going to wrap it up. I thought they wrapped oh. it up well. I thought they did a good job with you know that that Twilight Zone, that alternate universe. Um, but but I found myself kind of not enjoying it for as long as it was part of that could have been the language too. Um, because again, halfway through, I'm just kind of like, eh, um, but no, yeah. I did. I thought, I thought if you pulled that out there, it was a great, um, episode. I thought it was, it uh-huh. reminded me of the twilight zone that I grew up with watching and, and I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I had a very similar take, Nathan. I mean, I'm still, Sounds like such a cliche to say I'm still processing it because uh, I didn't watch it in the way I would have liked to. And I think, Nathan, I'm thinking because it was long. Um, normally, when I watch the original Twilight Zone, you always know, hey, I might be able to watch two, depending on my time, three, if you're going to binge because they're short. They're That's the way of, my kids played. Just uh, one more before dead. Right, dead, right. dead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and plus, you know, with uh, when you watch them on Amazon Prime or something, no commercials, and they just kind of fly right by, and they're like, uh, they're, they're effective short stories, sort of the silver bullet, just boom. It's quick. It punctures. It does its. It hits its mark, and boom. It's not amble. So I did think it was a little um, bloated, um, and uh, made me think. Again, I'm overthinking it. Are they going for the Black Mirror uh, kind of Netflix? Uh, I think that's even- absolutely it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they want the longer, more, you know, because they're trying to, you know, deliver. And I think I wish it had been, even if it was 45 minutes, I think it would have been a more effective story. Um, it, I, I don't know, and you might know this, uh, guys, Peel's role in this particular episode. I know he's not writing and directing each episode, obviously, but I don't know to what extent his fingerprints are over it. Um, it it kind of reminded me of a Peel movie in that I'm now thinking about... Uh, you know, layers of meaning, symbolism, suggested things, that sort of thing. Yeah, I I definitely think that that was there. I I think he's a producer. I'm sure he probably has some, like, uh, hand in the crafting of the stories or maybe just in terms of, like, uh, bringing them to the the screen. I'd be be interested to know a little more about that role. But I thought that same thing. It's interesting because watching it initially, you're sort of expecting the basic Twilight Zone setup and we go into the story, and and to kind of for anyone who's listening to this, and I won't get into too too many spoilers at this very moment, but then we can talk about them if you want. I don't know. We'll have to do that for us, obviously, but I think for maybe this, sure. it's not as necessary. But you know, the basic story deals with this comedian who is trying to be super politically conscious and social conscious, and he wants to use comedy as this way to change the world and make it better. And he's not really even doing comedy. He's just making right. like very glib, tired observations about yeah. social issues that he thinks are speaking to his audience, but they're really right. not. Yeah. And uh, no jokes in there. It's funny because Seth and I, we have a, a Twilight Zone episode coming up. We were discussing this episode, and the first feeling is like, through this entire episode, there's not a moment. I, I don't know what you guys think. There's not a moment where anyone gets on stage and tells a funny joke. I agree. It's right, legitimately yeah. funny. Right. And, of course, through the course of this film, uh, 
there's a, lots of moments where people, you know, are laughing. Uh, the, the basic gist is he's not, he's kind of a failed comedian. Mm-hmm. His life and his career are in a bit of a rut, uh, mostly his career, but that's sort of casting a shadow on everything else. And he meets a guy played by Tracy Morgan. Mm-hmm. And the minute you see him, you're like, is Tracy Morgan the devil? Right. And they, don't, yeah. they don't clearly identify this, but he's got that, like, bring your soul to the crossroads look in his eyes when he starts he talking does. to you. And uh, and I really liked that, like that whole interpretation, and and Tracy Morgan being that guy was a nice touch. And uh, you know he recognizes him as a famous comedian who sort of did his thing, almost like a Chappelle style. He yeah. had a big moment and then just disappeared. And he's like, "But you had it all." And then what happened? And he said, "Well, I had it all." And right, uh, and that was no more. And yeah. he, you know, it, it's clear that almost a deal is struck. He's like. You know, you'll you'll uh, find comedy, find something, and put it out there. But when you put it out there, that's it. They're going to take it all, and and it won't be there anymore. And what happens? And he he discovers what power actually resides in that uh, is interesting. But the I the the interesting thing is his comedy doesn't actually get funnier. Yeah, and no, I think yeah. at first, if you're watching that and thinking this is a story about a guy who suddenly gets fame and people are laughing at him you're expecting to hear some funny jokes and there's not a right. single funny joke. And through that lens, you can look at that and be like, that's an odd element of the episode. But when you think about the fact of why the people are laughing and the deal that is struck and, and ultimately uh, it extends beyond just being a comedy sketch because he realizes he has this power, but they aren't going to laugh unless he does a specific thing, which has some right. very lasting, yeah. altering, extraordinarily altering consequences to it yeah something he can't possibly take back and the way he works his way through that is kind of engaging because he does a lot of different things with it and so uh but he becomes more accustomed to it but i think it's interesting because he seems to always be deluded like he i think in his heart realizes he's not funny because he ultimately always decides to make that barter if you will he has that choice every time he gets on stage and that could be speaking to so many things. It's like I get, I'm going to sacrifice you so I can have right, yeah, have fame and fortune. And I just thought it was super compelling the way that was handled. Agreed. I, I um, to comment on one aspect of the movie that the what I consider the shining like picture that they show at the beginning and the end. Kind of the mural. Yes, I thought yes. of that too. I thought yes. of the shining when I saw it, the yes. It definitely. I couldn't help but think it was a. It was a, a nod to the shining in in one or the, your Kubrick's version of it at least, um, in in some sense. But I definitely thought, yeah, it, it kind of subverted my expectations because okay, now we're going to get some great comedy, and the comedy stunk. Uh, it was you know bore, and then I realized, oh okay, there. It's more commentary about uh what people find funny um and it was almost i felt like he could have been using charlie brown teacher's voice and the subtitle could have been uh cheap easy uh character assassination uh you know insert here um and because when he started ripping people that's what people love you know, don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I took it that maybe the audience, since it starts with a picture of an audience um, that were being exposed, which was why I wondered about Peel's environment, because he kind of toys with the audience that we, yeah, don't don't give us anything substantive to think about, um, like the Second Amendment and these issues. We're, we're not interested. Just, you know, tell some fart jokes, rip on somebody for being fat or ugly 
or uh, and I even, you know, yeah, I even think it went a little further than that because his jokes. <clears throat> I think we've all heard those sorts of jokes. That I mean, to be fair, it's not good, but you hear it and you might laugh. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. funny. And yet here, it was specifically the one he name drops someone when he calls out and des- deliberately zeroes in on a a real person. Yeah, it's at yeah. that moment when he's made this transaction and he's just getting the laugh or the sacrifice comes from identifying. You know, you've put somebody on the chopping block. Right. Uh, he right. doesn't yes. have the ability to tell a good fat joke. Right. So he just name drops somebody. Yep. And he points yes. a finger. And in some ways, the comedian thing is almost throws you off because you're expecting it. I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this could be a comedian or it could be a stage magician. In the 60s, this episode would have starred Don Rickles right. uh, as that yeah. main character when he was younger. Yep. And then the devil would have been like Art Carney. Yeah. And it would have been great. Yes. And it would have no language. But the. What's happening here is almost different because, and I, you know, not to make it political or anything like that, but when you start to think about how people use targets uh, in all aspects of life it, and take it outside of just the comedian thing, because I think when you're thinking of it just on that level of, oh, is this what comedians do or is he making a – like Peel's from sketch comedy. Is he trying to make a statement about comedy in general? And it was harder for me to wrap my head around that, like – I see some parallels, but I think it's more just about how people in general interact mm. you know, with uh, like what we decide to do and when do we decide to sell people out for our own vision or our own values and things like that. And when do they stop being our values once we've desecrated them? Right. Yes. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I took it that it was more about selling out. Um, you know, that, you know, it's the uh, it's the guy that wants to, you know, act in a play a great shakespeare tragedy that matters and is meaning but uh you know nobody's interested nobody wants to see it so he you know suits up and becomes an action hero uh and has two or three cliche lines and guns down you know a thousand people it was the comedy equivalent of that and obviously just the thought that you're you're kind of yeah you're you're stepping on other people and harming other people to advance yourself um and that's all that we have. Because I thought, too, I thought, man, I, I want there to be one funny joke. Uh, and it, But I like that. Again, not the expectation I had. I thought, okay, there's going to be some great comedy here. You got Tracy Morgan involved. Yeah, and you almost have to see really it twice like, to get the full, which I think is what roots it in the Twilight Zone tradition, Nathan, yeah. like you were saying, more than uh, – because, like, as we said, this is the fourth iteration. Uh, the one in 2000 stunk. It was terrible. And I don't I know if you guys saw, saw it. It was yeah. awful. Um, it was badly made. Yeah. It was badly done. Uh, the one in the 80s I enjoyed, particularly probably because I saw it when I was a kid. Um, yeah. There were some that good one episodes. I remember. It. There's a really good one um, called Nightcrawlers that is like uh, – like at for television at the time, it was almost stunning because it was made like a movie and it was so intense. And I remember seeing yeah. it as a kid and being like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Um, yeah. Not unlike the episode of the original Twilight Zone, The Invaders. Do you guys remember yeah. that with the yeah. little spaceship? And the, yes. it's silent, 30 minutes of silence. So I think they were at yeah. a good start with it. Um, what did you think about Peel and the introduction and the whole Twilight Zone like uh, intro bit, which I didn't think was coming for a while because it took a bit to get yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It, no. it took about 10 or 15 minutes. I, I was think. thinking I missed yeah. it or they just cut it out for the YouTube version Yeah, to start with. Yeah. Because in the um, I'm trying I'm trying to think back in the um, others it was always the introduction first right there wasn't no you would have a couple you would have the no intro- there'd be a scene so what Nathan's referencing you'd have usually you'd have the actual like introduction like yeah. the 
the Twilight Zone music, right. the iconic yeah. music, the yes. images, yeah. and then it would start. And, and then, then Serling yeah. would come in after about five minutes, like after what I guess now we would call the cold open or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it usually wasn't five minutes. It's maybe more like one minute or two minutes. Right. And then Serling would come in. You get the title card, Twilight Zone, and we would pop back in that time probably to a commercial, and then you would come back to the show. Yeah. 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 In this one, uh, I think I think it was good in that it set spent some more time setting you up for what was coming. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if they're going to again if if all of them are going to be longer. They're not the so. Ad, like the Adam Scott episode is only thirty minutes, okay. like thirty two minutes. So I think that's cool that yeah. the idea that we're going to make it as long as it needs to be. Yeah, and personally, I yeah, I, oh sure, sure. Yeah, I didn't actually think this one was so. I kind of agree with you. I could see ways I would have like shortened it, mm-hmm. but I actually wasn't ever bored watching it. Um, I think a uh-huh. lot of that is a testament to the main actor. Like he mm-hmm. was doing such a fantastic job. I, I I've seen him in a couple of the movies. He's great. And I and he he yeah. can be funny, and I think that's what was the clue in is like uh, that Kamali wouldn't tell these jokes in his own stand-up. Like right. He has the ability to be Great funny. Point. So he's playing a guy who's – and he gave him a sense of likability that I think was necessary because you saw this guy do a lot of unlikable things. Yeah. And you had to kind of be with him. You're mm-hmm. not always with the yeah. characters in Twilight Zone. The old Twilight Zone many times is just about a comeuppance. Right. And this is kind of that, but not that, because you do want to see him sort of like pull it out of the fire. Right. Yeah. 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 No doubt. No doubt. Um, I thought the uh, the disintegration of his marriage, that was a marriage, wasn't it? They were that girlfriend he referenced her as a girlfriend like yeah. right oh it's a girlfriend yeah. okay well their their relationship crumbling was oh that was clever um i didn't see that and oh this never happened therefore you know a led to b which led to c mm-hmm. uh you know the inclusion of the nephew um was was interesting you know what it reminded me of greg to go back and do a stephen king lap again is uh the short story the word processor of the gods Yes. Well, do you ever remember that? The guy gets an old style word processor and he realizes that anything, if he types a sentence out, like my wife is so-and-so and then deletes it, it's gone from reality. Yes, I do remember that. And, yes. Uh, yes. and they actually made that into a Tales on the Dark Side episode, which was a, uh, like a really mm. cheesy sort yeah. of like halfway between Creep Show and the Twilight Zone. It aired in the 80s. Right. Romero was involved in it. And yeah, it, it had that kind of feel to it. But um, yeah. So and I like yeah it was I like Neil's introduction like I think he's fine I think that he mm-hmm. it's weird because seeing so much of his sketch stuff you're waiting for it it just feels a little like right. oh, like am I supposed to laugh and he even talked about that in an interview he was like you know I was hesitant to do this because I didn't want people to be like is that Key or Peel who's up there right um, yes but ultimately he felt like the narrator component of Twilight Zone was so integral to it that you couldn't really get away from it yeah and I think he's doing a nice job of. He's capturing that Rod Serling, like, yes. overly serious, but also kind of tongue-in-cheek sort yep. of deal. Yeah, I yeah. didn't I didn't have any problem with his introduction. Um, you know, like you said, after seeing um, several of the Key and Peele sketches, um, seeing this, I thought he did, a, he did a fine job with the introduction and, you know, um, closing it out. And I didn't think there was any, um, any real issue in that regard. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I did too. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's strange because you, he's, he's really, uh, I mean, he's the, the hot commodity right now. You right. Know, Hollywood. Peel is almost the, uh, what Bruno Mars was the music a couple of years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve Deter- well, from the success standpoint, yeah, you know, right. I won't comment on the artistry of it, but the 
success. You know, everything he did was a number one and everybody wanted to hear it and see it and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, to see him in that subdued role, which last comment on this, cause guys, I want to say, um, I want to talk about us soon because it's the time we're recording is nine twelve, and I should wrap by nine thirty and get, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's go ahead because <laughs> we yeah. talked about an hour about everything but us. <laughs> I know about which is fun, dude. Which I love, but um, I love that Tracy Morgan in the episode. That's where I think you're, uh, you know, the, what you were saying earlier, uh, Mr. Bartleball, about the um, how the the comedy wasn't really funny. I mean, really, Tracy Morgan didn't have one funny line, and I, I think Tracy Morgan's hilarious. I thought his. Little bit on SNL was it's quite thirty funny. rock. Any brand quote rock. from oh. Thirty Rock is <laughs> and, ridiculous. So you see this guy, and the fact that there was, you know, he's this famous comedian. Yet they knew they must have known there's really nothing funny in the episode. Was was speaking volumes uh, that it was about something else and, and something deeper. All right, dudes, us. Uh, I'll jump right into it. Uh, and you go, Greg, because you're the one that popped up and was like. Have you seen this? Blown away <laughs> oh, by yeah, it. So, dude. Like... I had to talk about this with you guys. When Okay, I went into it, and I won't give away the, the Get Out uh, plot, Nathan, because you haven't seen it yet, but um, you know, I, I know you will soon enough. Uh, I expected kind of another Get Out. Uh, I felt it was, it had some overlap, but uh, felt very different. And about halfway through it, I was almost in a free fall disorientated state. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. I, I was never bored. I was fascinated by it. I mean, uh, you know, I love the, 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 the film work and uh, I think the acting was good. And I, um, you know, you know, you know, Peel's fingerprints are all over. So I'm fascinated. But I kept having this almost disorienting uh, response. Like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. And then when it ended, I was kind of messed up. Um, <laughs> you know, like I felt moved. I felt kind of dark. I felt intrigued. I felt confused. I felt the beginnings of some dawning. Uh, Did you oh, feel okay, tethered, okay. Greg? Yes. Or, or exactly. untethered. Or yeah. untethered. <laughs> I felt, yes. I felt oh, like I was. This is the time to do this because we're going to go full nuts here in a minute. Um, so this discussion for us. Um, this is going to be basically full spoilers. Yeah, so yeah, we'll, full we'll, spoiler. We might we might want to mention a little bit of the plot as we head into it, but basically full spoilers and uh, uh, just be aware. It's best to see this yeah. movie knowing nothing, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think well yeah, most people the trailers give away a little bit, but not much. And Nathan, did you even see the trailers before we saw? The movie? I did. Yeah, I okay. saw. Um, I saw one of the trailers that was out. Yeah. Yep. But it's if you if yeah. you know nothing about this movie, just walk into it. Yeah, just walk it. Yeah, and actually, yeah. it's interesting you say that, Nathan, because I was talking to a coworker of mine uh, where we were teaching, and he was like, "I hear it's really good. Should I go see it?" I'm like, "Yes, if anything, go see it because it's worth it to not have it spoiled for you." Yeah. So in that regard, I would recommend this movie and going see going to see this movie because it is. Uh, so very unique, and I have um, I, I wouldn't say my issues with it, although you know I do have some issues with it. Um, but it's almost like a personal thing that I have, and I'll explain that later. But yes, it's worth it. Go see it just to not have what's going on spoiled. Yeah, 
Yeah. Now we're going to spoil no, it. Um, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'd say let's let's spoil away. So go uh, see it and then come back and that's listen right. to this. Yeah. Exactly, Hit it, Greg. Exactly. <laughs> I um, I, the, the point where I started to get really shocked uh, was, and I, it was probably different for everybody. Uh, I mean, the previews gave away kind of the home invasion feel, but that didn't last too long uh, in terms of its pacing. You you got to that in pretty short order mm-hmm. when they show the white family, you know, Elizabeth uh, Moss mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, her, uh, you know, Tim husband Heidecker, just, yeah, from, from Tim and Eric. I was like, why is the Tim and Eric guy in this? <laughs> then when the, when the doppelganger showed up squawking like a Frankenstein chicken, I was like, Oh, I got it. <laughs> yes. Yes, dude. And he was, uh, just played the narcissism thing down so well. And the kind of entitled spoiled twin girls, when those twin girls get, Nice. <laughs> on the balcony i was like what um just not prepared for it and that's the first time where you got the sense of oh there's a doppelganger universal thing going on here um so i kind of liked that in the previews all that was concealed you mm-hmm. know because i kind of went into it with a little bit of guesswork like what what is this is this is this just a dream? That's what I kind of thought it would be, that they're seeing their mirrored images. Um, but then, there, there were, looking back, there were a couple of, of hints. I think when the uh, girl, the daughter and the family, you know, you think, why would that line be in there? It, there's, you know there's not going to be a throwaway line in, in a Peel movie. And she says, you know, the government controls us by putting fluoride in our water. Um, you know, I'm like, well, that's, that's not how they control but they do something like that uh or they attempt to uh so you had the kind of fantastical government conspiracy and i love that you could tell people had no interest in actually giving that any specifics um Mm -hmm. that wasn't his purpose you know you don't need it it's not like we need a sequel to Oh, show us what what agency did this and how did well, they do it. Well, we kind of ruin it. Nathan and I talked about that. Mm-hmm. The logistics of the tethered versus the untethered uh, yes. make no logical sense, like at no. all. Like you can't even think about it, or your mind will explode because you'll right. be mad and you'll write a piece about it on the internet. <laughs> and uh, exactly. And am I right? Didn't they say? Doesn't uh, Lupita? Or uh, Red, I think, as she's mentioned in the credits when she reveals at the end, say that the the purpose was for the underground dwellers to control those above ground. Is that right? Yes, that's the yep. gist. And, 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 of course, so what you've got here is, uh, for anyone who wants to hear this and still hasn't seen the movies, you've got this family who goes – it opens in the 80s, really, yep. Yep. and they have that yep. zoom in – where you see the VHSs on the side. I don't know if you noticed, uh, Greg, because you're a 80s horror Chud. movie. It's Chud. Yeah, the cannibals, yes. the humanoid underground dwellers. And yes. going into this movie, only knowing that home invasion part, that first title card that pops up talking about all the underground areas in the United States, and we don't know what they're for, I was like, is this going to be an underground person movie? Like, what? Yeah. And then, then Chud was there, and I was like, well, okay, clearly we're going somewhere with this. And right. so it opens on the beach, and you know, and it's in it's uh it's California. There's this little Santa girl, Monica, yeah, right? and yeah. Santa, Cruz. Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, and yeah. they're right. she's on the, the 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 pier there, and she's with her parents who are kind of having a little bit of a riff there, and 
the dad's not quite watch her closely and she walks into this house of mirrors which i thought was interesting um we can go back to this but like she walks in and it's it's the 80s and it's like shaman vision quest with this super uh stereotypical indian headdress sort of yes and then like later when they go back to it you see that they've painted over and called it like merlin's hideaway or something but the interior (laughs) this still has totem poles and owls right they've literally just painted a a more like family friendly wizard on it (laughs) and all the other stuff yeah but so she goes in there and she encounters what seems to be her doppelganger and then we are with this family Who's yeah. played wonderfully? I have the actors from Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I so true. I loved Winston Duke. You know, he yes. played. He was uh, he was Baku in, yep. He's such a different character, such a charismatic, like big presence in that movie. And right. here he's yeah. the nerdy dad, dad yeah, who, who wants <laughs> yeah. the boat, but it's all busted up. Uh, oh, that was um, great. What was the that name was of that? Great. It was like um, oh. like Crawl Daddy, or it was something. It was something goofy yeah. like that. Yeah. It was like busted up, and he's he's. Punching the motor. Yeah, punching the motor. So yes, and they're back, and and now that girl is all grown up, and she's clearly very anxious about being here, yeah, and she's very concerned about what's going on. And they established, you know, they've got two kids, and one of the kids, uh, he's kind of odd. Like I, I didn't know what they were trying to say at first with him. Like you get that feeling that he's on that like spectrum almost. Mm-hmm. Like it, like yeah, you're watching him, and you can see the parents concern in their eyes, and they're like, in a couple years, we're gonna have to have a conversation with some people about. You know, like it just got that vibe almost. Yeah. And I think that's a purposeful, like he's wearing a mask. He's got this thing that to me looks like it's clearly a lighter. He's like, it's a magic trick. What does it do? I'm like, isn't that a lighter? Right. Right. And so uh, there's something a little off about him. Uh, And they go to the beach and she starts to see these things that remind her of what's happened. Yeah. You get to that moment where there's somebody standing in the driveway and it looks like them right it's them except feral and crazy and right. they start to break into the house and it goes from there yeah so you know in that in that spectrum it gets to that part of that story pretty quickly yes i feel like yeah what did you guys they did what did you guys think about when things start to go off the rails when she comes into the house and red who they're wearing red jumpsuits and they start to like reveal what's happening what did you guys think think about that like in terms of like the tonal shift right yeah well that's where dude my mind started to get blown um (laughs) i mean her her voice which was just great i know there's a political controversy now because she was i can't remember the name of the medical condition uh you guys may have read about that or seen that in the news uh she um like bob kennedy jr you know robert kennedy's son has that but that condition is is linked. Am I not? Uh, is it incorrect to say that condition is linked to psychological trauma of some sort? Right? Like, uh, oh, it may be the case. It may be the case. And I know that people thought uh, the fact that Lupita, however you say it, uh, Nyong'o, um, that she studied uh, people with that condition so she could sort of imitate the voice. People thought that was rather you know exploitive and. And yet, uh, whatever. But to me, that is tied directly into where the story goes. Like it where totally the story did. ultimately dovetails the so-called twist, which is less a twist and really just a revelation because – and which I think we could talk about. Yeah. Like we, alter, we obviously learn that this entire time we've been watching the main character 
uh, go through all this and fearful that her doppelganger that attacked her in the carnival will come back to her when in reality she was a doppelganger all, all along. along. Right. Yes. And and that's where I'll say that I had um, I had a little bit of issue because I felt like they brought up Nathan. You and I were talking about this because I had basically got to the end of the movie and I was like. Yeah, there wasn't a real big twist for me. I saw it coming. And you had said, yeah, I remember them showing it at the beginning. And I had thought that, but then I forgot it. And I think the problem was they referenced or showed that scene one too many times, which is what got me in the mind frame of this is what's going on. Uh Um, And that's where I feel like it was kind of spoiled for me in, in that sense. Um, At least, at least that reveal scene at the end where you know, they just they kept going back to it, and so I knew there had to be more. And I had been suspecting that this is the person who was the the actual doppelganger, and not the uh, not the actual yeah. person. Yeah, and to that Nathan, we talked Sunday at church. You remember the yeah uh, yeah the comment? I mean one one thing I do wish I don't mind some details. It did drive me nuts a little bit. Unless there is some explanation that, okay, wait a minute. Once the real Adelaide, you know, she wasn't chained to that bed forever, obviously. She would have died. Um, so she's chained long enough that she's truly tethered down there. And the, um, you know, her, her shadow is now living the life she should live, mm-hmm. uh, that she was living prior to that. Uh, and of course, a lot of people have been joking. I've been reading this online too. Why not just, uh, when you're like 12, uh, or when you're 10, go up the escalator. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's nobody there. There's no security guard that's going to prevent you from doing it. Um, you know, so it was just, oh, now's the right time to go back up the escalator after presumably, let's say she's in her early to mid thirties. She's been down there for, uh, you know, 20 plus years. Um, so that was a little detail. I thought, Oh, I, I don't know what, maybe just my OCD. I wanted a little, uh, tighter point on, on, on that. But I did think, uh, you're right, uh, Nathan, the, the idea that, you know, the shadow choked her when she saw her in the mirror, um, you know, that might account for some of the vocal cord damage. The fact that she wasn't really, she had nobody to talk to down there because they couldn't speak. We don't know what happened so to her. You right. know, there's all these things, and there, there's a lot of darkness even implied. You know, yes. she talks about what her life has been like, and she says, "Well, you, you know, you went on and, and found love and married him, and I had Abraham, who's this grunting hawk of a dude right. who doesn't seem to yeah. be able to express himself." And you're like, "Who knows what's happened to her?" And I, I, I think again, like you said, you start to go down this road. And you talk too much about what this means, it kind of falls apart. That's a difficulty when you're trying to do allegory and a story Agreed. at the same time. Agreed. I would say Peel's different than the Shyamalan, though, because I don't think the movie was leading to the twist. Uh, which is to say, what's interesting is you think about that first scene that we saw. They, yeah. I thought more of this after we talked, Nathan. I've seen it the second time. In a horror movie, which Peel's clearly watched tons of them, you see that girl go into the into the fun house yeah we don't see her get choked at that point we just see her see something and we see the back of a head and then she comes out and she's acting weirdly right she won't eat she won't speak and in a horror movie the immediate thing that we should be thinking is that she's been replaced yeah and 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 that's exactly what you would think if that movie went on for 10 more minutes that's what we would think but then she 
like peel immediately cuts right and brings us into the present day and we stop thinking about it yeah. he wants us specifically to be thinking about that because i think the heart of the movie is about well, what does it mean to be an imposter right and uh, what are we trying to protect you know when right. she gives that speech you saw the black flag references uh, the people wearing the black flag shirts. Yeah, yeah. And Greg, here's a mind blower for you. If you look up Black Flag, the album that they released, I'm trying to think of the name of it, around that time frame, like their album, uh-huh. it, yeah. the logo looks like an 11. And uh, oh, wow. it's got a picture of a puppet with scissors on the front. And wow. uh, I'll just leave that <laughs> that where it is. Oh, I'm going to check that out, dude. I um, didn't even catch that. And, of course, you know, you had Jeremiah 1111, which when you read that, it mean, it doesn't mean much until you put it in the context of where it sits in Scripture mm-hmm. and the groups yeah. of people it's talking about. And it has an almost biblical feel. She's the savior in the underground right. who who's going to lead them up, and she's talking about how God showed her a vision and right. stuff like that. Yes, yes. And Well, that too, dude, and I think, um, you know, the, the bright red apple— I mean, to get nitpicky here, you know, that's that, that's more a concession to how people think uh, the Garden of Eden played out. But that was, um, you know, uh, you know, I mean, the Bible never says what kind of fruit it was. But you ask any guy on the street, oh, it was an apple. So that's that's fine to use it. But this really bright red apple uh, that they zoomed in on a lot. She took a few bites as she's kind of walking through. And then, of course, she's going to lose her innocence so to speak she's going to learn about good and evil um you know i think the way they zoomed in on the apple uh right before she goes into the mirror house uh you know kind of showed that okay here we go it's it's all about to to come off the rails here uh i thought was interesting yeah you guys have probably read too the one 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 i think there's a scene where they show it on the clock and it's reflected in the mirror so a lot, I've read this on Reddit, you know, it's, uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can take it for what it's worth, but I think there's probably something to it. You've got the, uh, in a sense, that's, that's the family, right. And they're doppelgangers. Um, you've got all four members, uh, and you know, there's that mirrored scene where they show it or it's a mirror in and of itself, you know, cause it's, uh, a, uh, a repeating back and forth number. So it's just some cool winks and nods that were, that were there. But the, the one that grabbed me and you guys, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but clearly there's a parable of America or a spiritual retelling of America's history, slavery of which I think is clearly a big part, the whole tethered concept, um, and that we're still affected by it, uh, whether uh, we remember it or not. Because, you know, when Winston Duke asks, not who are you, but what are you? Um, you know, which is, is interesting. Remember, she says we're Americans. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that it's us, U.S., uh, is just interesting to me. Uh, and I, I think uh, I don't know quite where all that goes. I'm but, waiting for uh, that last shot of the movie to show up like on like a uh, like a, a Fox News graphic with like, you know, migrant caravan headed this way at the bottom <laughs> yeah, or something. Right. But, uh, yes. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Well, and with that, the Hands Across America, guys, I'll date myself here. I was 16, 15 or 16. I had not thought about that in 30-plus years. And when they start, I'm like, oh, Hands Across America. Lisa and I looked at each other and kind of laughed. And I said, remember that? And uh, I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it didn't quite take because, you know, there's quite a few mountains and lakes and, you know, uh, impassable, uh, you know, obstacles that are, uh, are in the way. But I remember there's a cheesy song to it. So just the fact that imagine a little girl 
who disappears at that time, just that vision stays in When her she head. has all that, and even like, you know, the Americans thing, who are we? We're American. It's like, I think, too, the idea beyond that is that like unseen people you know mm-hmm. the fact that like we are americans and yet yeah, she's actually just being honest like there's a whole bunch of us you don't know about you don't know about the great ground, point. and we are basically what allow you to to in a sense it's almost that that morlocks kind of thing with like the time right, machine right you've got the yeah. people under the ground uh who are running things uh, in squalor and terrible conditions uh one thing i want to talk about quick greg i know you got to go here soon but that Nathan and I were commenting on it, and like when we you mentioned about seeing the movie, and I was like, I don't know if Nathan's going to see this kind of movie or not because he typically he's not into horror movies. Right? As much. Yeah. And yeah. what made me think about it was like, but you know what? There's a little bit of that uh, horror action comedy, yeah. which you know, there's a little bit of the Evil Dead here. <laughs> evil um, Dead, yeah. You know, when when the family starts just mercilessly taking these people out. Uh, and even the murder scene. <laughs> and then comparing kill counts. Comparing kill yeah. counts. Winston Duke is like, well, I killed myself, and I killed this <laughs> yeah. one over here. His best friend, he just murdered the doppelganger, his best friend. He's sitting next to his best friend's dead wife, and all you can think is, yeah, we should take their car, because they've been, they've been rubbing that in my face for a while. And right. That all of that stuff is funny, but at the same time, you're watching it happen, and I think that's where people trying to confront you with why – why are you laughing? Like, this is an inhuman sort of way to be. Yes. Uh, and then, like, when the interesting thing is when Lapita Nyong'o's character, we think it's Adelaide, is freaking out and she's she's grunting and the son sees it. And it's like he's making the connections even early on when he walks back in and she's just murdered one of the twins again. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes. Which is very evil that she's flying all over the room and everything. <laughs> and she's yeah. murdering them with such, like, glee. Duke just sort of gumps his way through it and manages to like knock this guy into the water but the others sort of like actively murder them like the kid and the the daughter mm-hmm. is just chopping the pieces and so here's yeah. a, a thought here there's two things one is i feel like he's using that violence to really make you think about like why is this funny like why do right. we enjoy seeing this like it was funny and the thing when yeah. it's like uh call the police and then f the police come right yeah. the, that whole bit yeah. i was waiting to hear a police song and i was right. like oh no yeah. nwa okay well, yeah so we'll that was, with yeah. It. but so storyline wise the tethered seem to be the ones who control the the above ground people right but then the well, see, son I've... controls yeah. his tethered and walks him into the fire right Right. Now, let me ask you something, because I had been thinking about that since I had seen it. Do you think it's so much that he was controlling him, or is it this is you – were, you were bringing up, um, you know, the autism spectrum thing, and I was thinking about, you know – um, just like a younger innocent mind. So not necessarily autism or something like that, but a younger innocent mind and how they play the mirror game or copycat. And so is it necessarily that he was tethered controlling his actions or was it this one um, was had just kind of latched onto him in a bonded with him in a different way that he was mirroring the things that he was doing like a sibling? Well, I think uh-huh. the issue is when we see that scene, we don't know, or yeah. we've not seen the revelation of the tethered, and the right. tethers literally make movements and people follow them. Right. However, what we eventually learn, and there's people online who say, oh, well, the boy was a tethered, and uh, that at some point they had swapped. And 
You know, there is that weird bit. He's got the thing. He's like, well, last summer this worked, and it doesn't work now. Mm-hmm. And when they ask him when he's building on the, on the sand, he says, I'm building a tunnel. He doesn't say he's building a sand castle. He's like, yeah, I, I'm I, digging yeah. a tunnel. And so there's those little things, but I think they might be throwaways. But the, what we ultimately realize is he's the daughter. I mean, he's not the daughter. He's the son. There's son and daughter of a right. tethered and an untethered. Right. So when he puts the mask down, I think he's as much recognizing that he's not one of us. Right. Yeah. Uh, just like his mother is not. And so he puts the face mask down. So I thought that was interesting, but yeah, I think he was, I think that was him controlling yeah. the, the boy and walking him in, backing him into the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, we talked, uh, Mr. Bell about the theory, which you, I know don't buy. And I, I'm intrigued by it. I love there to be some even deeper uh, twist, uh, but I don't see how it could work. You know, the other theory that's popular right now is that the boy is right. just like his is a uh, is a shadow. Um, and now, when that would have happened? When did they trade places? Well, and that's Who the thing with that? the tunnel. But it would have. To, but he's got the scars. Like that. He's got the make any sense. Yeah. The, the one thing I heard is that. Um, the oh uh, what is it something about how the the kid lights his face on fire because uh you know he it's a lighter and it it actually um works for him uh and it doesn't for the other that can't figure it out but it, it's hard to imagine how that would would have uh although that makes a certain that the part that makes sense is the fact if you take into account that he for whatever reason could control his tethered's actions yeah he could have been lighting the the lighter he said it's not working and he's lighting it right in front of his face and you know meanwhile the kid's in the ba- his basement is getting burned mm. right um, which is more yeah, likely yeah, than that there yeah. was a swap because yeah, it's he... it's interesting but i love just the fact that we're talking about this that there's just so many layers to this to to think about um the other thing i did want to get in is the clear michael jackson references yes. from yeah. from the thriller t-shirt yeah. to all of them having one glove on one hand um, you know, which is, uh, which is interesting. And I did read Peel was asked about that in entertainment weekly or, or one of these, uh, kind of puff pieces. And he, um, he acknowledges that Michael Jackson is not only a cultural icon from the eighties and beyond, but is now a very uncomfortable one. Well, what did he say? He's like the patron saint of idiosyncrasy or something, I think was his last comment. And he said, well, because, like, I'm familiar with him, all these, these, uh, like, you know, Jackson 5 and all these poppy songs. And then he does Thriller, and it's, like, scaring the mess out of me, you know, as a kid. Yes. Of course, we have everything that's happened, you know, in the time since then. That's an interesting thing unto itself. But um, to go so long, actually, it's so funny with all the people that are like, I can't listen to this anymore. And Michael Jackson's music and everything it seems seemingly endures, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure sure why. You know, it's like there's a yeah. past that's been given, and um, yeah. it's interesting. That's, that's true, very true. And I, but yeah, I'd say, guys, I loved it. it um, I, I can't, I haven't seen it a second time yet, but I want to. So, what about um, the Shining references and stuff like that? Did you? Like I felt yeah, there was some uh, of that, like particularly the overhead shots as the family's coming in. Yes, yes, no doubt, no doubt. And then even the scene at the end um, when you know she's limping through the underground. Yes, um, yes, the tunnels and everything had a Kubrick kind of feel and Kubrick um, Torrance going through with his axe, um, you know, deal was very, very uh, interesting. Yeah, it's funny that it, the two things we've talked about tonight, both the comedian. 
first episode seemed to be a clear uh you know wink to uh Kubrick's version of the shining and even and if, yeah, yeah I thought that that too did um, you see the documentary they did room something was it 231 or like where they had all yeah. these crazy insane theories about what these you know one of them being that like oh Kubrick's just confessing he faked the moon landing the moon landing and yes, he's hiding I this did. information yeah. <laughs> I I heard a great quote about that. they said well yeah Kubrick they hired Kubrick to fake the moon landing but he was so meticulous that they had to go and shoot on site, so they had to go to the moon anyway. <laughs> oh, I got to tell my daughter Samantha that's her favorite topic, the moon landing. Well, so, real quick thing on that, dudes, uh, and then if you don't mind, Nathan, I'll bow and if you guys want to give it the final postscript. I know I've done that on both podcasts tonight, um, but I see my Ella's here, and I gotta, I gotta start getting her to bed since Mama's not home. But um, the Kubrick thing is. Um, I think the argument goes in in King's book, it's not room two thirty seven, it's two seventeen. So people think, why in the world would Kubrick change that detail? Why wouldn't you just make it two seventeen? You know, the room where the Kubrick lady is. <laughs> he's just Kubrick. Yeah, exactly. And the theory is, uh, if you if you watch that special, was fascinating is that at the time in any science textbook they would have said the moon is 237,000 miles away yeah. from the earth well, and, and then if you look at the you know if you look at the key that the letters on the key the hotel key can be they spell moon room or something like yeah. that yeah so it's he it's kind of um, his way of saying i'm going to use this movie to subtly confess that the whole moon landing is faked. Um, That's like one of 18 different theories in that movie. One of them is like he's trying to reference like the mass uh, genocide of the Native Americans because of all the cans. Right, right. And and that's interesting because then Peel's got the whole shaman quest and you see that big image of the Indian like right off the bat. Uh, Did you know, Greg, that he showed up to an interview a week or two ago dressed exactly like Jack Torrance from The Shining with that like, that like, uh, like, um, flannel looking jacket like down to the detail and didn't even mention it he just showed up and did the whole interview oh, wow. dressed like jack torrance so there's definitely something to all the shining shining references i've got to see wow. that dude but i didn't just saying you know it was just an entertaining horror movie like yeah. of all the other things that it it's is so all the things we talked about i don't know we've touched on the fact that it was just an intense and entertaining thing yeah. to watch yeah yeah yes it was and like i said <laughs> that scene with the, the two twin daughters get knife on the the, the balcony with, or the uh, the upper level of the house. Well, good vibrations is playing. Oh, my yeah, it's insane. Yes, yes exactly. Good, right? <laughs> it was just that juxtaposed, pleasant, horrible side by side scene was incredible. Dudes, a pleasure as always. If you don't mind, I'm going to bow quick. Greg, it was a lot of fun, man. All right. Oh, it was a blast, dude. So enjoyed it, and uh, you you guys give it its uh, proper send off. All right, peace Take out, care, Greg. Take care, guys. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, good movie, good topic tonight, Nathan. Let me ask real quick, because um, yeah. i got to head out too, but um, Nathan, you had mentioned that you, you had some issues with it. Um, mm-hmm. Did you want to talk to those, speak to those real quick? Or? Yeah, I think, um, I think one of them, you know, I already addressed. I really, you know, I felt like, um, and, and I know, um, you know, what, what you were saying and I get what you were saying with the whole, um, you know, we should have anticipated, um, based on horror movie, you know, just seeing different horror movies and stuff like that. Um, 
but I felt like I felt like the reveal he was trying to go for was a little more dramatic um, to make it, you know. And I know, you know, going and seeing it with you, of course, you saw this was your second time, you know, my first time, and so you know there were a lot of like kind of gasps and whoa, I didn't, you know. Um, so there so yeah, was clearly... I guess my point is, yeah, I don't think he was meant to be that. I don't yeah. think the movie was hinged upon that reveal. No, and, and I would agree with you in that. I just – I think from that perspective um, of of seeing the reveal um, or, or anticipating the reveal, you know, um, as early as I did, it was the, – the movie um, just kind of drug a little bit. I think um, – and, and you're right – it, it's a good movie, so so just you know, hear me when I say this. It's worth seeing. Uh, good movie, of course. If you're still listening to us, you've probably already yeah, seen probably. it. Um, I think one of the other things is there's there, you know, we we talked about this um, when Greg was on. There there's a lot of things when you begin pulling at certain threads, it, it starts to fall apart. Right, and um, I think that's the purpose. The, the purpose of the film is to be a nightmare, to be almost yeah. like a like a um something that's almost like a little like uh, Kafkaesque or, mm-hmm. or something like that. It's not meant to be digested, which is what we do now with entertainment is we just want to eat it up and like consume it and break it down to its most basic mm-hmm. thing. And I don't think these, I think the reason these movies are probably have such an audience is they aren't really um, designed for that. I yeah. don't think. And I think if they like the same thing that frustrates also sort of entices people, I think. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would agree with that and I don't mind, um, you know, cheap consumable entertainment. I mean, you know, Army of Darkness, right. Evil Dead, Ash versus. You know, I I don't mind those kind of. I mean, you know, you start pulling at Bruce Campbell's. You know, Army of Darkness. <laughs> you're not going to go very far. I think far. this one, even if you pull um, the threads of the plot out, the thematic stuff he's trying to say remain the same. And I mm-hmm. think I think one of the reasons it's important that we kind of suspect that she might not be who she is, even from the beginning, is that the question really becomes. Uh, at the last scene isn't so much, oh my gosh, I can't believe that she was the other girl. Right. But did she know she was the other girl the whole time? Mm, it, uh, yeah. And, and so the the revelation is done in such a way where it seems like it's being revealed, but I think it's clear as you watch it that she knows and she's trying to defend this thing that she has usurped and taken. She's taken it and then she, you know, when she gets above, she could have gone back and freed everybody, mm-hmm. but she didn't. Right. She took the thing that she wanted and she left, left everybody. Everyone else. Yeah. And so I think those are the things Jordan Peele wants you to think about. And then to be fair, we don't even know what the tethered are. You know, yeah. like a, like when we that twist is like, okay, well, there's a doppelganger, but what is it? So I think we have so many other mysteries to unravel. Yeah. That for me, uh, by the time we get to the point where it's not about the mysteries, but are they going to survive this deadly attack? Sure. There, sure. I felt like he's got something going on at every moment. My issue is when a movie leaves us, and I've seen a few of them this year, so I know uh, a, a horror movie is based around something simple like that, and they've already telegraphed what the twist is, and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. There's a movie that came out earlier in the year called The Prodigy, where this thing it's like, dude, I know the twist, I know what's happening, right. and you're doing nothing to distract me. And right. I feel like Us had so much going on that to me it wasn't it wasn't like watching a Shyamalan movie where oh I see this like once I know that the villagers are you know right, the right. village I know the twist of the village right once I know it's the town elders I don't care anymore right so. right yeah now that I know Bruce Willis is actually dead <laughs> and I think that's what maybe sets this movie apart from that one not yeah. that the the, the Sixth Sense isn't a good movie but I having seen this twice you can go back and rewatch it and the 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 juice isn't drained out of it 
Yeah. Because you're not just waiting to find out a thing that you didn't know. Didn't know existed. Right. In a way, I like that you could figure this out. It's there in front of you. It's not what the movie's about, per se. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and I agree. And actually, Greg and I had talked about this on Sunday, and I had had a different thought. And and my thought wasn't that she actually knew, but that she had – that on both ends, there was almost this syndrome of forgetting who they were. And so it wasn't until the end where they actually, you know, kind of got to the point where they remembered, um, you know, where she's actually remembering who she is fully and where, you know, um, Red is actually, you know, coming to grips with who she is fully. And I think and I think that's how it feels. I think it's how it feels as the viewer, you mm-hmm. know. However, like when you look at the story, like she has that one moment where she's talking about, I feel like a black curtain, which goes back to the black flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this black curtain that's kind of sent it, and she's coming for me. And we're supposed to think she's talking about the dark twin. But when right. it, even then, you, like, you're sort of like, well, you saw this creepy girl one time, and you ran out. Why would she still be after you? Yeah. Well, if you took her life and chained her in the basement, yeah, she probably is coming, coming for you. after you. And yeah. then Red's entire, like, the the tethered have no functionality almost they did they have right. no ambition they have no idea to do anything she plans this massive thing and the first person she goes after is her her doppelganger right. she doesn't gain any sort of independence from killing they don't gain actual independence from killing their doppelganger she right. says i was trying to make a message seems to me that she does know and is aware when she's telling that story you had all these things and i had this right it's like well how do you even know the context of what you didn't have yeah that's what that's yeah. what kind of slip tricked me up she's talking about that and it's like oh well you know that because you 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 had the potential you have the ability to think about it and right. know what was taken from you yeah so i mean i it, it's a good movie. I agree. There's not perfect. There's flaws. Right. Um, there is the part of you that wants to know, like, well, you know, people are like, how, who cleans up after all the rabbits? Like, forget that. How are there? Right. <laughs> well, how are there tethered versions of uh, children that are only seven or eight years old? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Man, that was kind of an epic. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> an epic podcast. So, yeah. Nathan, thanks for joining. Yeah, man. Um, we will have to. We're gonna have to get and uh, do something once. Um, once the Infinity War. Uh, Infinity War, where yeah. you're probably going to do that on um, these good eleven. We need to do Godzilla. Oh yes, the, the King be... of the Monsters. I'm yeah, quite looking absolutely. forward to that one. Actually, um, we can we could plan to maybe do a crossover one with Infinity War because we got um, guy on Frank Turk, who's huge comic book guy, and then Zach, huge comic book guy. So you know, maybe we could do a uh, you know fun uh, Phantom. These go to eleven yeah, crossover. Be, I'd be up for that. I um I need to rewatch the Infinity War. I'm looking forward. To, I'm headed to Pet Cemetery now, and I'm he- I'm looking forward to seeing Shazam this weekend too. Nice. So, all right, man. Take care. Thank you so much, Nathan. All right, thank you. These go to eleven.